This is Welcome Home Radio from the Fresno Association of Realtors on 940 ESPN. Well, good morning and welcome to Welcome Home Radio. This is Don Scordino, your host on our Valley's most informative real estate talk show. You know, you wouldn't go into a baseball game without a game plan and a strategy. Um, so why would you go into the housing market without a game plan and, and a strategy? And who best to be your coach than your local trusted realtor? And by the way, the show is brought to you by your local trusted realtors, the Fresno Association of Realtors. All we want is to give you some good information so you can make good informed decisions. Earlier this week, I, I heard a, a speech given by somebody, and, and they were using statistics drawn by the California Association of Realtors. You know what? They were a little different than what we have locally. And, of course, statistics are, who was that, W.C. Fields? It said, or somebody said there's three kinds of lies, big lies, little lies, and then there's statistics because you could spin them however you want. So um, what a setup for today's guest because we're going to be talking some statistics that she pulled up. Today we have Gretchen Sullivan from Remax Gold. You are the sales manager there, right? That is correct. Good morning, Don. Okay, good morning. I'm uh, happy to have Gretchen on here. You were on maybe a year and a half, two years ago. I was. Ratings have recovered since then. We're, we're back on. <laughs> Good to know. Glad you let me back in the door. <laughs> All right. So um, what what do st- statistics mean to the average home buyer or home seller out there? Well, trends, you know, maybe the big thing is, is it a buyer's market or a seller's market? And, of course, when you need to buy or sell, that's your market. Forget you know if you inherit a home and for tax reasons you need to sell it, it doesn't matter buyer seller's market. It's time to sell it. So, but we are going to go over some of these, and then we've got a lot more on tap for today too. We're going to talk about some common escrow issues, and not just the issues, but the solutions. And yes. being a sales manager, I'll bet you anything that you're a solution-oriented person. <laughs> I don't. I can't be any other way. So. That's right. Being a manager means that you probably have 10 different issues come to your desk every day, and you got to figure it out. Speaking of stats, I think you're off on that one. No. <laughs> <laughs> that number might be a little bit higher, but um, it's, you know, it's what we do. There's always a challenge that needs to be solved. Um, some of them are very simple, and some of them aren't, but you know, that's my goal is to help our clients. It's not easy, right? No, it's not and easy. That's why they call it work. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> All right. Hit us with some stats. Give our listeners out there the state of the market. State of the market. So that's a broad uh, statement, really. And stats are really what you want it to be. It depends on what information you're looking at. Um, everybody's going to look at a different number. If you ask somebody, oh, what's the housing market like in Fresno? You really have to expand that. Well, what do you mean in Fresno? I mean, are you including Clovis? Are you including all of our outlying communities, just the city of Fresno? So there's a lot of different ways that you can look at that information. And 
you can have three different people pull stats and you're going to get three different numbers. So generally speaking right now in, this, in the Fresno Clovis market, so all of Fresno and all of Clovis, um, ending uh, May 19th, um, we were looking at available properties. The number is around 2261. Um, that is our active available properties. Um, so somebody looking in the Fresno-Clovis area have 2,200 properties to look at. Correct. That's from a broad view. Okay. Um, that can be fine-tuned, and that's just residential, single-family properties, not mm. not income properties, not multi-unit. So. So those 16-unit apartments aren't in there. Correct. <laughs> okay. Um, well, that would seem like there's plenty to look at because what do we have? How many how many buyers per month? Yeah, how many buyers per month? That's oh. yeah, that's a good question. And let me clarify um, a number for you. Um, for the last day of the month for May. Um, we had about 1.7 months of inventory, and that's an important number to look at because basically what that means that if every house we had sold in 1.7 months, we'd be out of inventory. If no new ones if came no on the market. If no new ones came on the market and we just sold everything that we had. So that's not a lot of inventory. So, mm-hmm. so that would make one tend to believe it's a seller's market. It would. Is but there anything that makes us believe it's a buyer's market? You know, we're in an interesting um, place right now because inventory is low, um, so that would make it seem like it's a seller's market. But on the f- other side of that, interest rates are extremely low. So that makes affordability for buyers really great. So for me, that's a great combination. I like that. You know, it, it's a buyer's market because the interest rates are so low. That's mm-hmm. what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. If they were giving away free money to go out and buy something, that would certainly be in the buyer's favor. Yeah, absolutely. They're so, not quite giving it away, but um, what what are rates like right now, just in general? And um, I know you're not a loan officer. Yep. Let me full disclosure. I am not a lender. But you do know a thing or two. <laughs> we see a thing or two. Um, I'm not a lender, but if we, if you just take a quick look out there, what's available? Um, we're seeing interest rates in the high threes. If you're a very qualified borrower, and that's what's important to know. Um, a lot of consumers start their searches on the internet, whether it's looking at loans looking at houses, and you have to understand um, something that you and I talked about last time on the show is data in, confusion out. If you don't put in the right information, you're not going to get the right information back. So a lot of consumers will jump online and they'll do an online mortgage calculator and they'll say, oh, I can afford a half a million dollar home. Well, they're not factoring in that their debt to income ratios, their credit score, their down payment, all these different things will affect what their ultimate rate will be. So um, it's, again, very important to find your local lender um, and your local realtor and get the proper information and be well-informed and prepared before you start entering into the market to buy a house. Speaking of local, let's say you were lucky enough, you bought a scratcher and you won a 1000 bucks. All right. Big money. Yeah. All right. (laughs) Could you make it a little bit better? Let's say you won $100,000. Okay. I like that. Okay. And you wanted to do something good. 
So would you send that money to a charity in Florida or Pennsylvania, or would you do it locally? Okay, that's a that's trick question. <laughs> well, you're asking, would I send it to charity or would I do... Oh, I okay. Uh, You're yeah. going to go out and spend it at the shopping mall, right? Well, being a realtor, I'm going to buy an investment property. I own a home now, so that's yeah. what I would do. Um, I do give back to charity. I do give back to Children's Miracle Network, so I just want that to be... To be known that I do give back to charity. That's because you're a realtor, and realtors have hearts. We That's do. That's something, something that I've noticed. But I do want to say that my, or here was where I was going with that. My point is you would probably want to keep the money local. Correct. Because it's going to have a ripple effect. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe less homeless people on the street. Maybe more, just more smiles on people's faces. But... Uh, rather than sending it to another state. Well, when you go online and you work with an out-of-state lender, you're really sending your money out-of-state. You're not keeping it local. Correct. But, you know, the other reason is you can sit and talk to that local lender and, and figure out that maybe I do have other options. What other options do I have? I mean, there's more to talk about. Plus, it got to be a little more accountable. I always like to say they are going to run into you at the gas station someday or at the grocery <laughs> store. Uh, they didn't just click and delete you. So, uh, yeah, big, big advantages to that. Well, doing business on a handshake has evolved. Um, you know, there was a time far before I was here that you could take someone's word and that was what you needed and a handshake would get the deal done. Um, I think there's still something very relevant about that handshake. Um, you need to have that personal interaction. Um, when you can sit across the table and ask questions and have them answered and know that you have a qualified person on the other side of you, there's a level of trust in, in that person and some reassurance that you know you are being represented by somebody that has your best interest. Here's a good one about a handshake. So t- uh, earlier this week, I was pulling into a 7-Eleven. I was thirsty. I was out there. Big gulp? (laughs) No, I got a water. So all of a sudden, boom, here comes this guy, panhandler, and he's right on top of my car and and saying, hey, man, can you uh, uh, spare some money for me so I can get some chips and a soda? And I said, no, but tell you what, I'll buy you a water because that's what I'm getting for myself. So anyway, I did that, and when I came out, I said, do you mind if I give you a tip? I said, you know, a lot of this is about presentation. Call it salesmanship. But to come right into my space, you know, and to be two feet from me, asking me for something that's chips and soda. So I talked to him about his presentation. And here's how I know he listened to me. And I'll bet it made a difference to him. He gave me the best handshake when I left. So there is something to being dealing locally. Right. I could have texted him that information. <laughs> Wouldn't have had the same effect. But um, that, that handshake really does mean something. Yeah. With that, we are going to go to our next commercial break. Actually, it's going to be our first commercial break, come to think of it. And, but stay tuned to Welcome Home Radio, 940 ESPN.
Welcome back to Welcome Home Radio. This is Don Scordino, your host, and here in the studio with us today, we have the sales manager of Remax Gold, Gretchen Sullivan, with us. As sales manager, I'll bet, well, like in the first segment, I guess that you probably have 10 issues a day that come across your desk. You said I was way off. <laughs> I take it I was a little low on that, right? No, I mean, actually, it's not that bad. Um, it's in our industry, I mean, there are so many moving parts in a transaction. It's, you know, think of a wheel on a bike. You've got a lot of different spokes. And if all those spokes aren't working properly, that wheel is not going to turn properly. So um, sometimes you got a spoke that goes out. you got to get it back in where it, you know, needs to be so the wheel keeps turning and we get the deal closed. Okay. L- let's talk about some of those common escrow issues and there's one that seems to be bigger this year than it was the last two years, and that's repairs. I'm going to th- speculate. The reason for that is two years ago, the market was so white hot that the buyer probably figured, hey, I better not ask for the air conditioner to be fixed, even though it's July. They, the seller might cancel me and take another offer. Now, with the market a little more normal, I think those repairs are back on the table. So what, what's the best way, for looking at it from a seller's point of view and a buyer's point of view, to deal with repairs? Yeah, so uh, when we're wor- working in transactions, there's a few milestones um, that once we get past them, we all breathe a little easier, and that's, you know, the inspection period and, of course, the appraisal um, and the loan being approved. But um, from a repair standpoint, um, from a seller's perspective, you know, in California, property is sold as is. That is the law. Um, but that is unfortunately not a, a very realistic expectation um, when selling a home. Um, if there is something wrong with your property, um, you know, from a seller's perspective, if you're in contract and a buyer wants that fixed, um, you have to decide what you want to do. And most oftentimes, if it's reasonable, a seller's going to fix it to ensure the sale goes through. Um, if he decides not to fix it with that current buyer, um, he does have the duty to disclose those issues to the next buyer that comes along. So some of the things that we like to recommend to sellers is um, to maybe do pre-inspections before they put their house on the market. Um, this can be as simple as a home inspection or it could be more thorough to include a pest inspection, a roof, and an HVAC inspection. Um, oftentimes the biggest things that lead to issues um, are deferred maintenance, and, and oftentimes sellers don't even know there's something going on. Um, so if a seller does pre-inspections, it gives them a chance to get ahead of any potential issues, get them resolved and fixed, and when they do put their home on the market, they can let a potential buyer know, hey, you know, we did these inspections, we fixed all of this, and it gives the buyer a sense of confidence in buying that home, going, okay, wow, they've already taken care of all of this. This is great. Um, the other thing that sellers can do is um, offer a home warranty to a buyer. Um, and when 
a seller gets a home warranty, they can also purchase what's called seller's coverage. And that seller's coverage actually gives them some coverage during the process while the home is listed. So if something does come up in inspections, they have just an extra measure of assistance. It's not going to cover everything. Um, and I let people know this is not the whole solution. This is just something extra that can help during the process if something unknown comes up. Um, and getting a home warranty, um, sometimes in a contract, you'll see where the seller's asked to pay for the home warranty. Sometimes they'll split it 50-50. Um, but I think it's at least for one year, a good extra bit of insurance because the last thing you want is to close escrow and two days later you get a call that the air conditioner went out. And that happens more than you would ever know. <laughs> and you know it's that first year when things are probably going to happen. And the, and the reason for that is very logical. You have different users Correct. and different usage. And I think the classic example is you've got uh, 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 just two people living in a home, you know, they they only wash so many clothes and take so many baths a day. And then you get a family that moves in. You have four kids, teenagers that run the water forever. There's a good chance that uh, the sewage pipes might clog up just different users. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, okay, so repairs are a big thing that come up. But you mentioned another milestone, appraisals. Yes, appraisals. <laughs> so what should a buyer and seller expect on that? Wow. So appraisals. I think wow says it all. <laughs> That's you know, my experience. <laughs> it, here's the thing. I mean, appraisers are, you know, they, they have a duty. They have a role in this process. And um, they, so... Just to back up a little bit, um, when a buyer makes an offer on a home and they're using a loan to purchase the home, an appraisal is needed. The lender, the buyer's lender, orders that appraisal through a third-party appraisal management company. So an appraiser is going to come out and appraise the property. Well, again, you can have three different appraisers come out and you're going to get three different opinions of value. So it's very important, um, in my opinion, that you are thoroughly discussing the market with your sellers and showing them the data to support where you advise them to list their home. At the end of the day, it's the seller's decision on what they want to list their home for, but it's our job to give them the information to make an informed decision. So if we're setting realistic expectations with our sellers, um, that's kind of the first step um, in getting to a good appraisal. Now, I'm speaking of management and solving problems I've had to deal with lately my fair share of low appraisals. Um, agents coming to me saying, I don't know what's going on. Our appraisal came in 20,000 low, 30,000 low. This happened, that happened. Um, there's a process and some steps you can take to try to ensure that your home gets the value um, if it's properly, you know, if the expectations are set properly and it's listed at a competitive market value. Um, the, let's talk about what happens if that appraisal doesn't come in. Okay, good point. Yeah. So let, the appraisal comes in and it's, let's say it's, it's 10000 less of, than what you're in contract at and you agree to. Um, there are some options. Um, either the seller can reduce the purchase price to the appraised value 
Um, the buyer can bring in extra funds to close the transaction. Um, they can agree to meet in the middle. So buyer brings in five, seller reduces five, so they meet in the middle. Um, those would be solutions. Um, if those solutions can't be met, um, you can challenge the appraisal. Um, if there's something very obviously wrong with the appraisal, um, you can try to challenge it and get it reevaluated. Um, those are v very, very, very hard to do, by the way. Um, and the last option is that, you know, you can't come to an agreement and, and then it falls out of escrow. So and that's what we don't want. Does it work to say, well, we'll get a second appraisal? You can try, but it doesn't happen very often. Yeah, Be because the lender, the underwriter, isn't going to throw away the first one. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the, and, and then... And it also depends on the type of loan that the buyer's using. Oh, good point. Yeah. T tell us about those yeah. FHAs. So FHA loans, um, when an, it's a government-backed loan. So when an appraisal is done on a property utilizing an FHA or a VA loan, those appraisals stay attached to the property for a period of time. So if you don't... Um, if ultimately the deal falls through and falls out of escrow, you've now got an FHA appraisal attached to that property, I think, for three months um, for FHA and I think six months for uh, VA. I could be wrong on those stats, but um, the um, they do stay attached. So that poses a challenge going forward because now you have to narrow down your your potential buyers to conventional buyers or cash buyers because you can't you don't want to use that FHA appraisal. I got you. So, you know, it used to be, of course, this was when you were just a young baby, but it used to be that people thought of the appraisal as it. I mean, mm -hmm. hey, that's what it appraised at. That's the value. Mm -hmm. What's that perception today? You know, I've actually seen more buyers and sellers work together to keep a deal together than be stuck on that appraisal and let it fall apart. I like I, that's true. I, yeah. Yeah, and when I you, agree with you on that one. Yeah, and as what, you could tell. <laughs> <laughs> and and what's really nice is you know my motto, and I hope this is a motto for a lot of realtors out there, is when we're working together as cooperating brokers. Um, one representing the buyer, one representing the seller. The first key to a successful transaction is realizing that the realtors are on the same team. We're on the same team to help ensure this transaction goes through. So the more solutions that we can work together to find um, for our clients will help ensure closing a transaction. So um, I think that's really key in it. Um, if we're adversarial or, you know, we're taking on our own assumptions and opinions of what should happen in a transaction instead of letting the decisions be up to our clients. Um, that creates a lot of obstacles. You know, when I see an appraisal come in low, the first thing I try to think about is, okay, I want to see a copy of the appraisal, and what is the thing that got my buyer the most excited? I recently had one. It was this fantastic yard that mm -hmm. is twice the size of the typical yard in that subdivision um, because it's on a corner in, in, uh, or uh, it's on a cul-de-sac corner. So it, it's really big, and they've utilized it really well. Sure enough, went and looked at the appraisal. Hardly any value for, for that. Mm -hmm. So that appraiser didn't see the same thing that the buyer saw. Right. So that was an easy one for the buyer to say, 
hmm, Praiser was uh, wrong. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, and of course, in a, in a, to stick up for the appraisers, they might say, no, the buyer was wrong because Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac has these guidelines that say I can only adjust so many percent. Okay, common sense out the window. Some guideline from Washington, D.C. is dictating the value of that. Mm-hmm. You notice the question mark at the end of my statement? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that that is a conversation that um, you and I could probably talk about for a while, but we probably shouldn't. <laughs> but <laughs> all right. So uh, pr- those are the two big milestones: re- yeah. inspections, repairs, yeah. and then also um, appraisals. You know, and here's uh, before we go to our ne- next commercial break, I want to say this: so many sellers say, "Hey, I thought I sold this as is. What are they doing?" Why am I having to um, treat the termites and this and that? Well, it's because you didn't in the contract. You didn't just really you didn't just say as is. You accepted the fact that you were going to provide a uh, pest certification and a roof certification. So that's no longer as is. It, it's subject to those repairs. Yeah, and there's some other things too. I, I know we talked about sellers, but there's also some things that we can do with our buyers to prep them for the inspection period as well. So mm-hmm. I don't know um, how much time we have, but, you know. We don't. So save it for right. the next Sounds segment. Good. That'll give us something to talk about that. Well, with you, there's always plenty to talk about, right? <laughs> I guess. <laughs> so stay tuned to Welcome Home Radio. We'll be right back to you. Welcome back to Welcome Home Radio. This is Don Scordino, your host, and here in the studio with us today we have Gretchen Sullivan, who is the sales manager for Remax Gold. But you are also the the, the song there put me in, Coach. I'm ready to play is appropriate <laughs> because you volunteer also on the MLS committee yes. for the Association of Realtors. Correct. So how's that going? I, you, you know what. It? I do. I, I enjoy being part of our association. Um, I was first part of it. My first entry into leadership and, and committing some time and volunteering with the association was through our MLS speaker tour. Um, I was responsible with a co uh, co-committee member to schedule speakers for our association. And at that time, um, we were scheduling up to 47 speakers a year, mm-hmm. one a week you know, minus holidays and different things. So it was quite the responsibility, and we ran our Tuesday morning meetings where our fellow realtors and affiliates come in and mm-hmm. learn about the industry and promote business. And You know, the asso- you just made me think. The association does all right. To be able to get 47 different speakers during the year, mm-hmm. to get 52 different guests for Welcome Home Radio every every year, <laughs> Uh, and then all the other things we do, too. I would say that the Fresno Association of Realtors has some great connections. They really do. Um, it, it honestly was the best thing I could have done getting involved with the association. Um, it, I've built some amazing friendships and business relationships along the way. Um, it's a fantastic organization. Um, they're very supportive of our realtor community, and I'm very proud to be a part of the Fresno Association of Realtors. 
in those connections, you might think, well, okay, they're talking about the Association of Realtors, but the benefit to the consumer is those connections. Yes. Um, just this week, dealing with a seller, my, uh, I, I'm representing the seller, and we're having we're having to get over this monumental thing about the repair request. Mm-hmm. Um, and the seller just did not agree with some of the things that the buyer was asking for. Um, very common. Yeah, very, very common. Well, because of connections, I have, in fact, I called a guest that was uh, on this show a couple of months ago, a home inspector, and said, hey, give it, give it to me straight. Now, he wasn't involved in the transaction, but wh- what? how is this supposed to be installed? Mm-hmm. He gave me the answer. My seller said, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and agreed to fix it. <laughs> yeah. It's, you know, repairs are just, I mean, they they are definitely a challenge or can be a challenge in a transaction. And as I said earlier about sellers and setting expectations, we need to do the same thing with our buyers. Um, they need to understand most often um, they're buying a home that is not brand new. It's used. It's been lived in. And sellers don't always know what's going on with the with the property. So it's it's not necessarily in, you know something they intentionally didn't disclose or talk about. I mean that's why we do inspections. Buyers should always do inspections. Um, we like to counsel our clients that you know look, property is sold as is in California. However, you know when there are repairs needed, usually we can negotiate to get that done. Um, but also setting expectations with your buyers about what should be asked for and what shouldn't. Um, if you have a buyer that has wrote an offer up front where they asked for, you know, $5,000 back in closing cost, and now they go into inspections and we uncover, you know, a list of things that need to be done, well, their request needs to be realistic because you've already asked the seller to contribute towards your closing cost and they've agreed to do so. Um, so they've given you a gift, if you will. Now we're at the repair phase and you want all of these things fixed. Well, let's look at this list. There's always going to be something on a home inspection. I mean, I even recommend home inspections on new construction. There will always be something on that list. Let's talk about what is necessary and what is not necessary. And usually that comes down to issues that may be health and safety versus cosmetic. Um, You want to be realistic. Um, If you've got a little ding on something, you know, that's kind of minor, but yet the hot water heater isn't heating, well, out of those two, which is more of a priority? And so that's what we try to do is really focus on what's the most important aspect of that request for repairs. I I heard somebody put it one time that you, you focus on the three categories. Put everything the home inspector and the pest inspector roof and pool inspector come together with and if it's broken that's one category if it's maintenance that's another category Mm -hmm. Uh, maintenance being like you should put up gutters along this eave here because Mm -hmm. that will help in the future that's not broken but it's good maintenance and then there's the Mm in-betweeners in between that's the third category and um those are ones where, as you go through that list, you might say, well, gosh, nothing's broken. Everything's a maintenance. 
okay, maybe I will ask for a few of those in-betweeners, like the leaning fence post. Yeah. (laughs) Of course, I love this one seller. He said, what's wrong with them? Couldn't they see that leaning fence post when they made me the lower offer? (laughs) You know, he has a point there. (laughs) Yeah. You know, I think it's important, too, that that as realtors we don't try to be professionals of something we're not. We're not contractors. Um, we're not home inspectors. So when a home inspection report comes in, if they're noting that there is an issue, say, with the AC, um, you know, they recommend further investigation, we recommend our clients further investigate that. They should do all available inspections to them to satisfy themselves to the condition of that home. Um, there may be something that is off, but then at that point, it's up to the buyer to decide, you know what, I can deal with that on my own after we close escrow. That's not that big a deal. Um, but always encourage your, your, your buyers to do all of their inspections because they do need to know what they're buying. It's a big purchase. And I think that's a really good point. The purpose of an inspection is not to create a punch list for the seller to fix. Correct. It's to know what you're buying. Correct. Absolutely. And that's where we as realtors have to guide our clients and not make decisions for them on what should or shouldn't be done. Mm -hmm. And a good example of that is, um, uh, let's say, a crack in a driveway Mm -hmm. that could be a tripping hazard. Mm-hmm. Um, and some home inspectors are going to call that a health and safety thing because you could trip. I think most sellers would say, well, we're in Old Fig Garden. What do you expect? <laughs> right, <laughs> right. Uh, so that's where realtors, the coach in the transaction, mm-hmm. can help manage expectations. Correct, absolutely. Um, all right. So what are, what do you do, what, what's advice to a, a, a buyer when he says, well, the fence post is leaning. Should I ask the seller to fix that? Well, again, it's up to the buyer. You know, how important is it to you to have that fixed? Um, we have to look at the whole picture and, you know, how many, how many items were discovered on that home inspection list and kind of prioritize what's, what's really important and what may be less important on that list and go through it. At the end of the day, if it's important to the buyer to have that fence fixed, then they should ask the seller to fix it. But the seller has every right to say, no, you go ahead and fix that. It's not that big of a deal, and it's a simple fix. Um, we can volley back and forth, but it's, you know, it's entirely up to the buyer. They want to ask for it. Now, I want to throw something in there, too, um, from experiences I've had. I think it's important for the buyer, if the buyer wants to get the seller to fix a lot of things, act timely and efficiently in your request. Mm. So (laughs) if you have the home inspection on Monday, don't wait till the following Monday to have the pool inspector come out. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's a whole week of making that seller worry, not know if they should be packing or not. <laughs> right. And so you're you're setting the other party up in a position where they may not be able to give the best answer. Right. And this is where having a realtor really comes um, in hand for for you as a consumer. 
your realtor is going to guide you on that process. And a little fun fact to know, since we're talking about repairs, is as a buyer, if you submit a request for repairs to a seller, they have no obligation to respond to that request for repairs. They don't even have to respond. So, let's say they respond with a no. What happens then? Wow, you want to make this really interesting, don't you, Don? <laughs> um, you know, that, that's an unfortunate situation. Um, it does happen. Um, a buyer can ask and a seller can say no. That's just, it's as simple as that. And at that point, it's up to the buyer to decide, do I want to take the property as is or do I want to walk away from this? If, if they're not comfortable with the repairs that are needed, maybe it's not even that they're not comfortable. Maybe they're not financially in a position to handle those repairs because they've saved and used every penny they have to buy the home and get into the home. So sometimes it's not a matter of just, you know, not wanting to do it. Maybe they're not in the position to do it. So, And I think that's something the seller and the seller's agent has to look at. Correct. Okay, if they're stretched and they can't, you know, do this repair that really ought to be done, um, maybe, and, and this happens a lot of times, the seller ends up giving a credit to yeah. the buyer. Yeah, credits are... Um, Credits happen all the time. Um, there are some rules around credits. Um, there are limitations to what a credit can be with certain lenders if they're using a loan. So, again, you have to have your realtor involved working with your lender if you're negotiating credits to make sure that you can even have that credit. Um, so there's, there's something that seems as simple as just negotiating repairs as you can, as you're learning now. I mean, it can just keep, there's so many things that can, can spin off of that that affect it. Now, for all the listeners out there that are scratching their heads saying, wait a minute, I thought the contracts say that it's as is. Why can the buyer ask for these things? Here's the reason why. The contract says you're buying the property and selling it as is. However, the buyer has a right for the first 17 days or some negotiated amount of days to do inspections and discover what as is is. Right. And then they can request repairs not demand repairs. Yeah. I find most of the time sellers are reasonable and they're going to work with the buyer because ultimately their goal is to sell the home. So they, they've been informed by their realtor up front that these inspections are now disclosures going forward. So we could, we could say no or we could go ahead and work with the buyer that we have in contract and address these concerns and then get this escrow closed. They have a motivation to get the property sold. So most of the time repairs can be negotiated. And you know why you can say most of the time and I can say most of the time? Because we're dealing in transactions that are represented by realtors. So have you ever had this where you had to take two trips or three trips to the seller or the buyer to work on the repairs because the first time they were mad and right. they weren't in a position to make a good decision. So the coach or the realtor said, let's take a time out. Let's, let's talk about this tomorrow. And then tomorrow becomes a more reasonable approach. Yeah. Again, there's just, you know, there's so much that goes into it. And I think it's just really important that realtors 
work closely with their clients and set the proper expectations up front from both sides. Here's what to expect. If the pre-inspections have been done, the seller knows what they're dealing with. Maybe they maybe they are not in a position to make any repairs at that time, but they know these these issues are there. They disclose that, they negotiate the repairs, and then the repairs can get paid through escrow if the person doing the repairs will allow that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I, and again, with the buyer setting expectations with them as well. You're not going to get the world, but we can get you as much as we can. Great. With that, we're going to our next commercial break, so stay tuned to Welcome Home Radio, 940 ESPN. Welcome back to Welcome Home Radio. This is Don Scordino, your host, and here in the studio with us today, we have a great realtor, Gretchen Sullivan. She is so great at this trade that she has become the sales manager for Remax Gold. And how many agents do you manage there? Um, with all of our offices combined locally, we have about 85 agents. Okay. Now, that was a trick question because I said, how many do you manage? Not how many agents do you have? <laughs> oh. <laughs> okay. 85. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um you know, in preparation for this show, I, Gretchen and I talked yesterday, and I said, hey, why don't you send me an email with some ideas you have for talking points? And I love these two, mainly because I didn't know what you meant at first. So I want you to describe this. Okay, you put, don't put the house before the foundation. So I didn't know what that meant. Uh, and then you said setting themselves up for disappointment. I kind of started thinking about it, and I bet you those two go hand in hand. So tell us, what did you mean by don't put the house before the foundation? Sure, Um, and they do go hand in hand. Um, Oftentimes, people are very excited when they start thinking about buying a home and um, or even selling a home, and they just run. They take out of the, they take off out of the gate and they just go with it and it's you know you can't build a house without the proper foundation and so that's kind of what this is is meant to say um, you you need to be informed you need to reach out to your realtor and your lender and make sure that you're getting the information you need before you start moving forward because if you don't then you're going to set yourself up for disappointment. So often we get calls and, um, you know, it's very, it's just the same call all the time. Hey, I want to see this house. Okay, great. Um, do you, we always ask, do you have a realtor? The answer is no. The next question is, are you paying cash or have you met with a lender? And they, they laugh. No, I'm not paying cash. Oh, okay, that's okay. You know, are you getting a loan? Uh, well, yeah, we'll probably need to get a loan. Great. If, if you haven't met with a lender, then that's going to be your first step. Um, whether you're selling a house and wanting to buy a house, um, which is very common right now, we have a lot of um, what we call contingent sales, um, people that are leveraging equity and moving into something bigger, and maybe even downsizing. Um, they're, you know, or they're a first-time home buyer and they they want to run out and see properties. Um, they're going to set themselves up for some disappointment if they haven't met with a lender and really understand what's expected of them. Um, they need to know how much do I qualify for and am I comfortable with the payment at that amount? Because somebody may qualify for a $400,000 loan, but they're not really comfortable with the payment associated with that. So being qualified for something doesn't necessarily mean that's what you want to buy. 
By the way, I love those kind of buyers that can qualify for 400 but they only want to buy to 300 <laughs> And the reason I say that is because they are putting some logic into mm-hmm. it, not just emotion. Of course you're going to love a $400,000 home more than a $300,000. Um, Possibly. Yeah. Um, but but there's that good mixture there. Okay. Yeah. So a few weeks ago, somebody said something to me, and I immediately rejected it in my mind. And he said, you know, location used to be the biggest denominator in the value of a home. It's now emotion. Okay. I immediately rejected that in my mind. It's like, this makes no sense. Emotion. But it's a thought I can't get out of my mind. And the more and more I think about it, that person might be right. Not that emotion is 100% of a decision, but it's becoming more and more. So here's what I'm thinking. You go back 20 years ago, somebody saw one picture of a house uh, on the Internet or in the old MLS book, (laughs) and then you went inside and you actually looked at it. Now you have um, 25 to 50 pictures of the home. I mean, you can see the laundry room. You can see the expansive kitchen. And, of course, they're not just pictures of the home anymore. They're professional photos. Many of them are, and some of them even have virtual staging. So, of course, it's going to look more. So, it's playing more to emotion today than it was 20 years ago. Get it? What's your comment on that one, Gretchen Sullivan? <laughs> <laughs> emotion is a, is a very powerful thing. And um, most people are going to react based on emotion first. So, if you are up this morning and you're online looking at property and you see something that really speaks to you, you're going to get excited and you're going to want to see that property. Um, just had it happen recently and, and met with a client and come to find out they've got two homes to sell. Okay, well, let's talk about that process. They, they had no idea of all of the steps involved and what they needed to do. Um, you know, you, how, how are you going to buy this house? Well, I need to sell my house. Great. Well, let's talk about the fact that it's going to be really hard to get your offer accepted over here. If this property is not listed for sale let alone not under contract. So there's all these different things and conversations you have to have to educate your clients so that they know. Um, They don't know. We're the professionals. We do this every day. They are not. And we need to always remember that, that we need to guide them and coach them and tell them, here's the steps that we recommend that you take in order to do what you want to do. I think what you're saying is exactly what I said in the opening, uh, opening of the show that the realtors are the coach that helps helps people come up with a game plan and a yeah. strategy. And you wouldn't go into the game without a game plan. Correct. So the person who jumps on board and says, I want to go see that house, and there's no game plan, they haven't sat down and talked with their trusted realtor yet, right. yeah, they're going into the game without a game plan. Yeah. I mean, you defer to your accountant for your taxes. You defer to your attorney for legal advice. You should defer to your realtor for real estate advice. I heard a good one last night at the Community Housing Council, and there's the five most important people in your life. Of course, your your spouse, your partner, but then there's your doctor, there's your attorney, there's somebody else I forgot, but then also the realtor. (laughs) And the realtor is important in someone's life because that's your 
your home. Hey, right. in one minute or less, because the show's coming to a close, you've done a good job, Gretchen. Thank you, Don. What do you want people to remember most about today's discussion? Um, I think what I would like people to remember most is that um, we are the, the professionals. The realtors are the ones that can guide you and ensure success in your transaction, whether you're selling or buying we can help you through that process every step of the way. Um, let us do the heavy lifting for you. Okay, excellent. And um, I hope this show has helped a lot of people with good information because that's what this show's all about. Eleven years ago, we started it with the goal that next time there's a housing downturn and there's foreclosures out there, Fresno will not be in the top ten in the nation we won't even make the top 100 and that's because we're going to make good informed decisions so thank you gretchen today for coming in thank you don and um thank you to all our listeners for tuning in so loyally appreciate you